Our lives are a string of insights, flashes of inspiration that can be the catalyst for new ideas. However, our pace of life these days means we tend to miss some of them completely. I'm Dave Hill, and I'm the host of the Simple Reflections podcast, a fortnightly series of interviews with people from all walks of life. Our conversations are an invitation to reflect on some of the simple insights my guests have had that have gone on to have a profound impact on their lives. So grab a cup or a biscuit, join us, slow down for a little while and see what shows up for you. Welcome to this episode of the Simple Reflections podcast. Uh, this week I'm joined by Hannah Studley, who is, uh, well, formerly used, used to work in uh, in Hollywood doing various bits of bits and pieces. I'll let her expand on that. She'll be able to explain it better than I can. Um, she's the author of two books, The Myth of Low Self-Esteem and Painless, uh, both wonderful books. I've really enjoyed both of them um, and currently living in Jerusalem. Um, now, there's probably some bits and pieces I've missed in, in there, Hannah, but so if, if there's anything you'd like to add, please do so. Thank you, David. It's so it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Um, I remember when we first met at the conference a couple of years, actually, a few years ago now, and uh, it's just been wonderful to watch your, you know, the work that you do. So it's such a pleasure to be here. And yeah, I used to, I used to do special effects in Hollywood, um, specifically animatronics, which are kind of computerized puppets. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, ah, it was cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it certainly certainly looks like it from from the things that I've seen that you've been involved in. Um, well, as I say, it's, it's lovely to see you. Um, as you know, that you know the idea behind this this is a conversation of, amongst friends, just looking at uh, sm- you know small simple things that have shifted us in, in a in a big way. And I know you know you've been reviewing a book recently, and um, and that something has sort of jumped jumped out at you from that. So I just wondered if you'd like to explain a little bit more about what you've seen. Yeah, um, there's uh, a new book came out a little while ago by Sheila Mastand. It's a wonderful collection of stories um, with many of the three principles teachers that Sydney Banks mentored for many years. And there, in, in the chapter by Dick and Bessinger, I was reviewing the manuscript and this really amazing thing jumped out at me. He he was talking about how um, we are we don't need fixing and we're, and we're never broken. And I've been saying that to clients and friends and podcasts and whoever will listen to me, you know, we're always filling our thinking and we can never be broken. And, you know, and I, I know several three principles teachers who have been teaching that. And I've also noticed it in like psychology books that have been around, you know, much, much longer than, than, than we have. And I've repeated it with absolute confidence because it made absolute sense to me. And then as I was reading Dickens' words, um, he was talking about how Sid points to the form and formless, meaning there's this formless energy that comes before we have thoughts and thinking. And and then it moves through our minds and then it goes through and becomes formless again. So I suddenly saw that if if my me, my essence is that formless nature before it becomes like turns into the form of a thought or an image or music or something in my mind. It's formless and formless can't be broken. And it sounds so simple when I say it now, but I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I can say it with absolute confidence now, because you can't break formlessness. Spirit, you could call it spiritual, you could call it essence, wisdom, you know, like whatever you want to call that. Um, beautiful wisdom that is running the show that is is already guiding us, you know, that we might not even know or acknowledge. But that's that essence of who we really are. 
And because it has no form, it can't be broken. <laughs> and it's not until it takes a form of a thought or an image or an idea, a belief system, which is what I now see as, as illusions, you know, that um, that's when I think I can be broken. When I've fallen for the illusion of the thinking, when I think I'm, you know, um, you know, less than or comparing myself with other people, that illusion um, is is what gets damaged and broken and misshapen, and then we believe that, and and then we get sick, we get depressed, we get all kinds of you know reactions to that. So it was just a a wonderful um, moment of like, oh wow, <laughs> it's so simple and yet it's so cool. Yeah, no, that's lovely. I think you know what springs to mind for me there is is uh, it's the you know it's the thought itself that can be uh, you know that can can break apart and and feel fragile, um, and that and that the feeling of fragility is almost the reminder that it's that thought that's going to break rather than anything else. And you know if we if we really sort of gently unpack that. That has been true of our lives to date. There have been things that have felt very true to a point in time that all of a sudden feel very fragile as we're learning something new about it and it expands and becomes slightly different and then it feels solid again and, and uh, until we're ready to learn and see something fresher and it, 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 get, it gets fragile, it breaks and, and out comes something else um, because the, you know, that, that, as you say, the formlessness of it is what's emerging at every opportunity. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's it was kind of comforting to to see that, and and it kind of takes the pressure off, you know, of needing to be a certain way or believe a certain belief system because, like you said, it it it's always morphing and changing and you know flowing, and that's that's what it means to be a human being. In fact, um, as you said that, people often ask me, you know, how did I go from working in Hollywood to you know coaching people? It seems like a huge jump. But really, um, you know, doing special effects in, in, you know, for movies, it's what our minds do all the time. You know, my, my, my mind has a much better special effects department than anything me or Steven Spielberg could have come up with, you know, because my whole, my whole career in Hollywood was about convincing you that things were real that weren't, like animals can talk or, you know, people can fly or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, for that hour and 20 minutes or however long the movie is you're watching it we suspend our disbelief and believe that you know daniel radcliffe can fly well he can't harry potter can <laughs> daniel can't you know dogs don't talk you know it's like gorillas can't play poker but we see them in movies doing these things and so we suspend our disbelief and that's kind of what happens with thought and thinking is that i can get this like a crazy thought or an inappropriate thought or an illegal thought and and then depending on how I'm feeling, like what mood I'm in, I'm I might believe that thought to be true, and then I could make decisions on that, you know, belief and and get myself into a lot of trouble, whether it's illegal trouble or or depressive dark trouble, and believing it's true and such freedom to know that every crazy thought I've ever had, every sad thought, every broken heart, even joyful stuff, has moved on. And it doesn't say anything about who I am. You know, it, it produces a lot of freedom, takes off a lot of that pressure that I used to think was real and was like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, always there's, you know, the, 
the the sum of our past in in all its little 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 fragments isn't who we are today. It's just that they're just points in time of how we were feeling, how we were seeing things then. They have no real bearing on our lives right now unless we allow them to. And you know that there's a there, as you say there's a load of freedom that comes from that, but there also it requires a little bit of faith and understanding that that is how it works and that I'm not the sum of all of those parts and that some of those bits, you know, feel feel massive and weighty and, and like they're going to, you know, be, be shadowing over my life forever. If I believe that, then that's what I'll experience. If I can see that that might not be true, then, you know, then we've got a possibility of, of stepping on more lightly with, with the rest of the journey of life. Um, which is, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So pe people sometimes say to me, oh, I couldn't do what you do, like, you know, speak or do podcasts or whatever. I said, I said, well, not because, oh, I'm, so, I'm really shy. And I said, how do you know I'm not? <laughs> Maybe I'm shy too, but I've learned not to listen to that kind of thinking, you know, because um, it, it doesn't help and doesn't get me anywhere. So yeah, it's such a, a freedom to, to understand that, um, not be in a prison with it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the, and this, uh, I, I, I volunteer into the heartfelt presence thing a couple of times a week and <clears throat> there was a lady in there today who um, was completely stuck on the fact that all her plumbing needs to, to change and that she can't get out of bed. Um, and I said, okay, well, you know, it, it yeah, maybe you do need to change all the plumbing in your house. That might be a fact and it might be too expensive for you, which is another fact. Um, or you might be, it, you can afford it and you think it's too expensive for, for what it is, which is a fact. And they're all very, you know, you can handle all of that. But the thing that you're struggling with right now is the thought of all of those things, which you're finding is paralyzing and, and meaning you're stuck in bed. I said, well, that in itself is, is just a thought. Because I reckon you probably could get out of bed if you really wanted to. You don't need to find any motivation. You need to find anything different to be able to do that. Um, the fact that you now know your plumbing is shot doesn't mean to say that it wasn't two days ago before you found out. You know, it, it the plumbing hasn't changed. It's just your understanding of that and your relationship with the thinking around that. And she went, oh my, so it is. I said, <laughs> you know, now you're probably still feeling like you're stuck in bed. But actually, you've got a potential to just get up and do it anyway. She said, well, yeah, that's probably true. Said, what have you got to lose in trying? Um, and, you know, what went, what felt hugely heavy for her just shifted a little bit. Now, the facts haven't changed. Her plumbing still does need to be changed. And it probably is going to cost more than she can afford. But her ability to get up and get on with life hasn't changed at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's because I, I used to think that the world, my circumstances, my mother, boyfriends, who, you know, football, whatever it was, had to change, and then I then I'd feel better, then I'd be okay, and and to see that that's that's not what's creating my experience is has been, I mean, I think that's a, been one of the biggest insights for me that has changed because I used to think I had to change all those things because then I'd be okay, like my happiness was coming from those things working out or going the way I wanted them to, or people behaving the way I, I needed them to. And it was their fault that I didn't feel good. And it was their fault that, I, you know, that my life was a disaster or whatever. 
little crazy thought I was having. And to to let other people off the hook for how I feel or my circumstances not be the reason I feel something is, you know, it's been amazing to understand that. And and you just reminded me of a call I got from a client, um, actually it was a year ago now, because um, I remember she, she was a school teacher and she had, you know, for the two years of, of COVID, she'd been teaching online and she'd been teaching for 30 something years and she loved her job. And so now the schools were opening up, she needed to go back into the classroom. And she called me in absolute panic saying, if I go into the classroom, I'm going to get Corona and I'm going to die. And if I don't, if I tell them I'm not willing to go into the classroom, um, they're going to fire me. And as a 50 year old woman, you know, who's never done anything else, I'm never going to get another job and I'm going to lose my house and I'm going to die on the streets. And and she thought herself into these, only these two options, either die in the classroom or die on the streets. And I've learned that to say to someone, it's just your thinking is, is not kind and it's not helpful when someone's in, you know, that kind of low place. But like you did, I was like, I thought I should like guide her, like come in the side door, as it were, to like, you know, um, kind of hint at the, these ideas. And um, so at first I said to her, gosh, you're, you're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. She goes, yes. <laughs> so I said, um, I said, well, why not take the one with salary and benefits? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to die in either situation, you might as well take the one that's got, you know, like some money, money attached to it. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't giving her, a, trying to give her advice, but it just, it lightened her up just a little bit. I don't, I wouldn't say she laughed, but she kind of, it just shifted things just a tiny bit that her perspective changed and it kind of enabled the conversation to open up. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about how, you know, she started to see that she'd thought herself into a corner and there were other options, like maybe she'd become a, a, a tutor or a consultant or listen, you know, those weren't the only two options available to her. And then she did actually go back into the classroom and she, it was quite interesting. She had a teacher's aide and she noticed that she would have a panic attack at two o'clock every afternoon, the first week. And we worked out is because she would manage to get through the morning. And then during lunchtime, she would frighten herself thinking the kids are all running around and touching each other and touching everything. And now we're going to get sick now. And and so I thought, isn't that interesting? You have a panic attack at two o'clock every afternoon and her teacher's aide would have to take over. She's like, yeah. That's weird. And she, when she saw why that she was frightening herself with her own thinking, it, it faded away. And now, um, as far as I know, she carried on teaching and is back to, you know, enjoying her career. And I'm sure she's a wonderful teacher, but it's just interesting. And sometimes it's easier to see in other people how mm-hmm. you know, we can think ourselves into a mess. But um, I know that I used to do it badly. And now, and now I, you know, I can catch myself. I can almost smell it coming through. If I'm gonna, you know, trip myself up with some stinky thinking, it's like, oh, I, I don't want to go there. You know? Yeah, it comes with a sort of a set of feelings that just the oh, bright. This is an exception. This is different, yeah. in, and in itself, that's you know, that's an invitation. Oh, okay, what what am I what am I getting stuck on here? What what am I not seeing? And that you know, just asking that creates a bit of curiosity and a bit of openness to. To see what else is out there, and what you know, what else we can, um, we can lean into. Yeah, because I, I had that recently. Actually, I was, you know, I get up early in the morning and I would start checking my emails and I, um, start seeing what you know, um, messages I need to return and all that kind of stuff. And I, 
I've been looking at a lot of technology recently to to maybe do a course and do different things with my business. And I started feeling a little overwhelmed and I could, and I know it because my thinking speeds up. It feels heavy. It feels intense. There's like a sense of urgency starts happening. And then I could, and then I heard this thought, which was, um, oh, I can't do this. Just give up. <laughs> and then I heard myself and I suddenly, I have a window outside of my desk and I looked at the window and it was about 6am. The sun had come up and it was a beautiful blue sky. You know, I'm in Jerusalem, but it's, it's cold now, but we still have these beautiful blue skies. And I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, I, I, it's so, so clear to me in that second, I was feeling my thinking, not my circumstances. My circumstances hadn't changed, like you were saying earlier, from, you know, 10 minutes ago. And just some busy thinking started happening. And it was almost funny to me. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. And um, and I wrote about it. And by the time I'd even wrote, wrote a post about how, you know, it can happen to any of us, the the heaviness had left. I felt light again. I was able to enjoy the beautiful blue sky and the, you know, the, the, the day ahead of me. And um, and it's gone away. And it's, since then, I've with some clear thinking, being able to work something out, ask some people for advice, you know, worked out how to do these things. And now I'm excited about it. Whereas had I listened to that thinking, I might be out the coaching business by now, you know, giving it all up and saying, you know, like call G1's cancelled everything. <laughs> you know, and and it's such such a relief not to not to have to listen to that. And and just knowing that the heaviness, the intensity, the urgency, those are all clues now. But that thinking has, it probably has no good information in it. It usually doesn't end well. And, and I don't want to go there anymore. Yeah, that's cool. Another one that sort of falls into that trap is isolation and loneliness. Um, that in itself is an invitation to realize that that's not true, actually. We just need to go and knock on a few doors, make a few phone calls. And, and you know, given, given that scenario you just dreamt up there, there's bound to be someone that you or I know that would be able to help with that and go, oh no, actually this is, you know, this is what you might need to help with, with that particular technical problem, which is again, here's, here's, a, here's a fact-based problem and here's a fact-based solution. The the discomfort you felt was all based on the thinking that you're having in the moment, which is yeah. uh, always the case. <laughs> um, it's funny, it just reminded me uh, like isolation and loneliness were, you know, when, when I was, at, I, you know, I had some serious PTSD for a while and that that's really one of the, that's really quite, you know, one of the symptoms of that. And I remember having this bright idea one time that I thought I should write a list of all my friends. The next time I get into a low mood about, you know, like feeling lonely or isolated, I could look at this list of friends and then I'd remind myself that um, it's not true. Sounds good, right? So, because this is back in the days when I was coaching with lots of techniques and methods and, you know, a toolkit of things to help my clients with. And I thought it was such a brilliant idea. So, you know, along comes another low mood. And I remember, first time I did not remember to get the piece of paper out, which like <laughs> didn't work. Then the low mood came back. And so I thought, oh yeah, I'll get that piece of paper out. You know, let's say. So I got the piece of paper with the list of all the names on. And I looked at the list of names and I thought, well, I never liked him. She never calls me back. He's an idiot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> back to my low mood because... You know, it's it's like, and that's why I started seeing that techniques, you know, like they're they're great when you're in a good mood. It's it seemed like it made perfect sense when I was in a good mood and that you know thinking of all the, your wonderful friends and family and you know people who support you. But in a low mood, I hate everybody. You know, 
I'm, I don't want to talk to them anyway. You know, <laughs> I'm better off on my own. <laughs> and like I said, like just hearing those familiar thoughts and feelings are a great message like, to know that they are um, almost like a big stop. Sorry, they're almost like a big stop sign, <laughs> saying don't go any further. Danger. You know, that's not. It's not worth it. Um, yeah. So that that one didn't work. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question now. Um, what you know, have you got any particular projects on the go at the moment that you're excited about that you're you know you're interested that you think people will be interested in hearing, or are they still at the sort of secret stage that where you're keeping them close to your chest? Oh, so I have some secret ones. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. But um, I do have a another book that's coming out. Um, God willing, it will come out in uh, January time, the new year. Um, this one really is, I mean, men are welcome to read it, but it's its really for women. It's all about hormones. I mean, I know men have hormones too, <laughs> but um, it's really about um, PMS, postpartum depression and, and menopause. And what I found is I found some really cool research that showed that a lot of the women who suffer in those areas, I won't say 100%, but a great deal of those women have a history of trauma or um, some, maybe abuse or at least some kind of prolonged stressful thinking. And because of that history of prolonged stressful thinking, nervous systems have been, say, hyperactive and like hypersensitized. And so when maybe a drop in hormones comes, like after the birth of a baby or menopause, it's like another trauma to have to deal with. And, and then the body reacts because the body thinks we're in danger when it's actually a quite natural and normal thing if you if you know what's happening to you. And I found a lot of science to back that up. And when I was doing the research for this, I joined a Facebook group for women who suffer these different kinds of um, situations. And I noticed that they were all talking about symptoms where um, generally could be classified as brain fog, fatigue, stomach problems, migraines. And I thought, oh, that sounds familiar. Because when I was doing my chronic pain research, no matter whether somebody had back pain or migraines or, or um, you know, like foot pain, um, they also had, often had brain fog, fatigue, stomach problems, migraines. You know, these, these same symptoms were showing up. And then I recently got involved in helping people with long COVID. And when I joined a long COVID group, guess what? The symptoms were brain fog, fatigue, stomach problems, you know, headaches and migraines. And it's also true in the histamine groups. Um, a lot of people have food allergies these days. And some people get into such a state that they their diets are really, really restricted because they're thinking, you know, every time I, you know, not just peanuts or strawberries, but, you know, anything, you know, their food, some people are down to just a few basic things that they can eat. And guess what? In those Facebook groups, they're talking about brain fog and fatigue and migraines and stomach problems. And I thought, isn't that curious that um, no matter what the um, different symptoms are, you could trace it back to some, you know, the same cause, which is prolonged stressful thinking. And and so this next book is about um, hormones, but I've also got ideas for other books where people are suffering innocently, you know, in this, with these different appearingly different different kinds of symptoms like comparing 
you know, food allergies to PTSD to hormones to ADHD to, you know, the list is endless. But when we when we go back to the root cause and see that um, it's prolonged stressful thinking, like Sidney Banks, who, you know, put the three principles ideas together, he talks about one generic mental illness and seeing how if, if there's just got one cause, then understanding that is really the solution. So my books are novels, you know, they're stories because I found not everybody is like me that they want to re research and, you know, um, peer-reviewed journal papers and stuff. I, I like that stuff because I'm always curious who, who showed up for that pain research, you know, <laughs> like who is, how are they re interviewing for the, for these kinds of things? Um, and so by turning them into stories, people get to follow the characters and, and you know, the, the searching and the healing and the happy endings. So yeah, my, my next book is called Very Well. Um, like, you know, well, very well, or how are you doing? Very well. <laughs> um, so very well, hopefully we'll be out in, in the new year. And then there'll be other books to follow on, on all those different subjects where people are suffering and hopefully bring them, you know, solutions and, and hope. Amazing. Amazing. Well, um, yeah, we'll definitely stick a link to that in the, in the footnotes of this one when it comes out. So this, that's great. Um, well, I think that's probably good place to, to wrap up for now is there anything particular that you'd like to to sort of other than the you know the books that we've, we've mentioned already uh, anything that you'd like uh to to highlight for, for listeners to, to to get involved with with things that you're doing yeah i have a facebook group which has gosh about two and a half thousand people in it um which i when i started that i think you were one of the first members i, I invited to come and, and join me i had no idea that so many people would introduce the principles i'm not saying they all listen and all join in all the time but it's it's a great opportunity and i put a lot of free stuff there you know um posts and videos and inspirational things and people can ask questions and share their insights so that's um you can find me on facebook um and uh then i've got a website which is my name hannahstudley.com so all the latest things i'm doing are there i'm talking to a couple of people right now about doing some more wellness retreats so I just spoke to a lady this morning about doing one in um, near Amsterdam. So be interesting that I did one in America last year. So I really love the idea of traveling and sharing this, these ideas with people. So uh, yeah, so Facebook and website are probably the best way to get hold of me and the books are on Amazon. Lovely. Well, I'll make sure links are in for all of those things so that people can find them. Um, thank you so much for coming to join, um, join me today. Great to see you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the conversation, feel free to subscribe and join me and my new guests next time. If you're interested in the work I'm doing, or you think I can be of service to you or your organisation, please email dave at simplicityofmind.co.uk. Remember, see if you can find time to slow down and reflect. Those simple ideas might be worth listening to. Take care, and I hope you can join me in a couple of weeks.